Alright, here we go. One, two, three, four. Hey everyone, welcome to Fields of Work. I'm Sam. I'm Max. Sorry, I was looking at pasta. <laughs> <laughs> you caught me off guard here. Yeah, you know, a normal normal thing to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, Max, checking around. If you are a pasta, what kind of pasta? Wait, hold on. This is Fields of Work, a, a podcast about work and fields and, and brothers. And I'm Sam, the old brother, and Max is the young brother. Max, check-in question. If you yeah. were a pasta, what kind of pasta would you be? I want to be... A, I want to be as aspirational already. Yeah, but say uh, this is not an aspirational question. <laughs> this is a self awareness question. If you were a I pasta, mean, what like, kind of pasta would you be? Genuinely, I would be like a a, a boring ass spaghetti. I mean, I'm a working man's pasta. You know, <laughs> I feel like that's really so where I fall farmers, into. Are farmers all about that spaghetti life? Maybe Italian yeah. farmers. I, maybe. I, be careful. We said we weren't going to make this racist. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Toe on a fine line. Um, I just feel like it's the most, you know, like it's gonna it's gonna fill you up. Like every time I eat spaghetti, I instantly feel pretty full. But I'm gonna throw an aspirational pasta in there, and mainly just because I've been cooking a lot and I really enjoy it. Is I want to be gnocchi. Can I be some gnocchi? Gnocchi. So, it's a lot of fun to good, say. It's a lot of fun to say, and it's a surprise inside, which is great. I love my pasta has surprises. Dude, we're about um, to steal my thunder because my answer is I'm ravioli. Oh, you think you're ravioli, huh? I'm ravioli because. I, I, I'm one thing on the outside, um, but I'm something delicious and different on the inside. That's creepy in a way that I don't like. <laughs> well, you don't have to take it that direction. Um, also, a little bit chubby. I, I don't want to say that, but I thought maybe that's where you were taking it. <laughs> you got. I've always said this. I said, you got a little ravioli tummy. You know? you got, a little, ravi- beer, got a little ravioli a, tummy. It's smaller than a beer belly, but you know what? It's a little ravioli tummy in there. Yeah, I think so. Give a, if not to keep this getting weirder, but you have a favorite thing to to have inside your your ravioli? You want uh, meat in there? Cheese. You want I want a cheese. I want a cheese. cheese in there. I mean, I'll put any. I, actually, no, I won't put anything in a ravioli. Yeah. I don't. But there are very few. I don't know if I've ever had a bad ravioli. So I've had like a ravioli with like pumpkin stuff inside it. I yeah. think. like a pumpkin ravioli. Like that's pretty great. Um, I've had like a corn uh, ravioli, which is good. Not like it's like a corn meal almost inside it. Um, you know, your typical meats, your cheeses. It's all good. They put every put anything in ravioli these days, don't they? Put a chocolate sauce? What? Probably no. not. That's I'm disgusting. just looking at Google right now. There is a lot more types of pasta than um, I realized. Oh, yeah. No, this list goes on and on and on. Uh, I made and uh, such fun names. Yeah. I made some nice penne uh, tonight with Alfredo sauce. That's pretty basic, though, you know. I'd never actually. I, I don't know if I've ever actually made Alfredo from scratch. So this is the first time I did it. Well, since we're apparently we have a pasta themed night, I made pasta for dinner. I had mushroom ravioli with mm. uh, ground pork and some just like a normal red sauce, and then I put a little bit of mascarpone in there to thicken mm. up that sauce in a fun way because that's something that a Blue Apron meal did. Now I just got mascarpone in my fridge yeah. and trying to find out how to use it because they use it a lot. Yeah, and you just throw sour it. cream and things to kind of make them creamy. Yeah, I mean, you wouldn't even expect that too. Yeah, um, but, uh, yeah. did you make these ravioli or like frozen? No, no, I, I 100% bought these ravioli. Okay. These yeah. were, I mean, fr- these were fridge raviolis. I ain't got that time. Yeah, for sure, I'm with you. All right, you feel checked in? You feel ready to go? It's been about a month since we've done this. It's also late. No, apparently we're on a month. I'm on it like the last fumes of my daily energy at nine seven ten. Yeah. Don't night. let us don't let us be able to tell. All right, keep that energy okay. high. All right. That's cool. your role around here. Yeah, that's that's what I'm known as, the fun, upbeat guy. 
I think so. I think I've had people tell me that between the two of us, you come off a little bit more. Oh my God, that's the uh, more only jazzed time up on the podcast in my life. You are the only person that I could like do a podcast with, and I would be the upbeat one. <laughs> I guess I somehow come in even more even keel and low, which is incredible. <laughs> that is pretty incredible. Max, yeah. go go ahead. Sorry. I was no, I was saying, but that might just say more about me than it does about you. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> I see our little um, planning document here that we've been working on for months and yeah. um, you know, in preparation for this show because we are professionals. Mm-hmm. And I'm seeing a, a bullet under your stuff. I want to jump right to it. You got, you got yourself a cat? You're going to jump past the farming stuff, huh? We'll go, we'll, right go we'll get back to the farming <laughs> stuff, but you have a cat, and I want to hear about this cat. Yeah, if we're quiet enough, we won't be able to hear this cat. Um, get him on mic. No, he's he's very high-pitched. He would be too high energy for this podcast. Hmm. Um, I do have a cat. Uh, his name is Poblano. He is nice. a month old. He is a little orange tabby cat with a little bobtail. Why did you name him Poblano? <laughs> Other so, than that's the best name for a cat I've ever heard. <laughs> the story, well, the story of Poblano. If we're gonna go back to the beginning, which is only yeah. a month ago, um, or not even that far back, um, Kira, who works mm-hmm. at, works at the National Humane Association, had a friend on the rugby team and said, "Hey, we found a kitten in our neighbor's bush. Was this a thing that you could could you take this kitten to your work and, and you know find a home for this kitten?" Yeah. And she was like, "You know, I get normally that's not how they do it. That's not you usually can't just like, bring animals in willy nilly." Um, but you know what? Soft spot for a cute orange kitten that looked pretty clean and healthy. It didn't have anything crazy going on with it. So we went and met this friend in a parking lot one morning and picked up this kitten. That's very and illicit. took it. And yeah, <laughs> took this kitten to work. Um, literally at the time that we were doing this, we had like some compost or something from Kira's house. And one of the things that she had from her fridge that we were composting was a poblano pepper. Uh-huh. And when we opened the door, poblano pepper fell on the ground. And I was like, Poblano, that's a great name. We're gonna name we're gonna name him him her it Poblano. And so we named it Poblano. Should have been like Cayenne Habanero. It's a it's an orange cat. Oh right. Yeah. Um, not a green but, cat, but not a green sorry. cat. But Poblano. Kind of Poblano shaped. Kind of Poblano shaped yeah, that's the vibe. <laughs> real real Poblano looking. Yeah. And um so we took Poblano in and he kinda got all his vet treatment and whatnot and they were um Basically, the rule is that can't be spayed and neutered until you're two pounds because of the stuff they give them and whatnot. So they needed – they have a ton of people that do fostering, and they needed someone to foster this kitten. And Kira kept telling me, like, you should become a foster for kittens. And I said, why is that? And I guess because my housing situation where I have no other pets, I'm always around my house. I'm always here. Yeah. Um, it's pretty convenient and things like that. And fostering is usually not a super long endeavor um, so for example, I'm going to have Poblano hopefully for two to two and a half weeks right before our brother's trip. I'll hopefully take him in. And my goal is just to operation, get Poblano to weigh two pounds. I'm trying to fatten <laughs> up this cat. I'm trying to fatten up this cat, which is tough because he's active. He's so active. He has so much energy. Um, but we're up an ounce already. We put an ounce on today. Oh, wow. Unless he's secretly pooping it off right now, in which case he might be, be upset right, right into your shoe. <laughs> I hope not. He's, he's figured out the litter box, which is great. Nice. Um, but he came. He came at a whopping one pound four ounces. He is very tiny. He is um, like the size of like a size eight shoe. He's <laughs> very little. Uh, that's how they size cats these days. Yeah, my, <laughs> my shoes. <laughs> Not their um, shoes, as if they no, were no. shoes, but a man's no. shoe. Okay, a man's shoe. Yep, because that's you know. Uh-huh. And uh, so yeah, I got him yesterday. Where this is this is night two. Um, okay. Mostly going well. Kind of you know, enjoyable. It is weird to have. 
the tiniest cat I've ever seen in my entire life just <laughs> in my tiny house. You always, you're like, I have to look underfoot constantly because there he is. Yeah. Um, but the nice thing is that he like, he warmed up super fast. There's not anything too crazy medical that I'm having to take care of for him, um, like medicine wise. And so I'm hoping that it will be fairly smooth sailing and he'll put on weight pretty fast. So then I'll take it back to the Humane Association. They'll give him, the, they'll, they'll spay or neuter him and mm-hmm. then he will be up for adoption to somebody else. Um, Are you going to adopt him? No, no. My plan is to not, if anything, my plan is to do more fostering and be able to keep cats in this like Mm -hmm. short term, um, two week, three week, up to a month kind of thing because Mm -hmm. with farming and just like being able to travel and go home for the holidays and things like that, I think little little bits and bobs of having uh, kittens and stuff like that will be helpful. And it's helpful to them because basically the more fosters that they have, Right. The more cats and stuff they can take on, they have the vet services, but they need to kind of offload them onto somebody else because right. um, they have no they have no problem really adopting out uh, most cats and dogs. So that's cool. No, no cats or dogs usually stay there for more than three months for the most part. So it's a pretty quick turnaround. Um, and you know who else is a foster? Who else fosters animals from this humane association? Who? Ben Folds. Ben Folds told, I, of Ben Folds Five. Yeah. <laughs> no, actually, no. Just a random guy, <laughs> Ben Folds. Um, he was there. They were they were fostering a dog for a while, and uh, Kira was getting to chat with Ben Folds, which I was incredibly jealous of. That's cool. Um, turns out, super nice guy. And mm. basically, having a conversation with him, it seems like everything he says is kind of poetry. So, <laughs> but she also admitted that maybe she was just enamored a little bit, and maybe yeah. everything he says just sounds like. Because I've never gotten that compliment, which is kind of hurtful. Yeah, I mean, I kind of feel like everything I say is poetry as well. Yeah, it's like a haiku. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Doesn't fully make sense. No, but Short and but, but really, um, but really adheres to a very rigid uh, syllable scheme. Mm, it's, it's better than like an E.E. E. Cummings poem or something, you know, where there's That's true. you have to really see it. Ri- you have to see it written down. What Sam yeah, it's hard. Is- <laughs> it's hard. It's hard to 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 read punctuation. Mm, exactly. Although but, I'm, I've, I have this recurring memory, and I don't know if it's real or not, but in, like, first or second grade, we wrote uh, books. Like, we all got, like, hardcover, empty books that we could write in, and we the project was, like, make up a story or whatever. And I remember being super proud of mine. And I remember, like, I think we, like, we're all, I just remember being in the office reading my book to, like, a group of people and, like, the secretary, I think. And I don't think I just showed up there. I think that was where I was supposed to be. But I have this recurring memory that I'm pretty sure I read even the punctuation marks because I was so proud of what I had written. So, like, I would say, like, period or, like, comma. (laughs) Uh, Because I just wanted people to get the entire experience of what I had written. It's important because otherwise they might miss it, you know? Yeah, exactly. I came up with these commas in these periods, <laughs> and I want you to know that they're there. Did he did he pause too long accidentally <laughs> reading that, or was that a comma? Because that changes everything. Exactly. So. Anyway, sorry to take you off your cat story. That's cool. You no, have a that's cat. I have a cat. He's very cute. I've seen a bunch of videos. Um, yeah. Anyone's dying to see His little bobtail. He's very cute. Go, Orange go cats are Instagram. the best. Yep. He's a real, he's a real cutie. Um, so if anyone wants to adopt an orange cat near I mean, Nashville, you should have a. I mean, you need a barn cat. You need like a farm cat that like, hangs around and like kills rats and stuff. I mean, I don't have a big rat problem, thank God. Uh, um, I mean, that is a thing that you know we've talked about for here. We were having a mouse problem earlier this year. Um, we might at some point. It's still a, a decent idea, but um, I think my problem is I would just want to. That that barn cat's gonna be around. I'm gonna want that barn cat inside. 
I want that cat to be around me a little bit. He's going to probably be whining at the door coming in. And but I'm you're also going to want that barn cat to be mean. And Poblano, yeah. he has a sweetheart. I can tell. And, I don't know about that. <laughs> and I just don't know if he has it in him to be this kind of ferocious barn cat. Yeah. So, yeah, it might not be. He might not be cut from the right cloth to become a barn cat. Um, okay. The other thing you do with barn cats is that you, you don't starve them, but you kind of limit their food to kind of force them to hunt stuff. Yeah. And I don't know if I've got that in me. Yeah. I don't force think you it. do. No. Um, so we'll see. Maybe someday if things get dire enough out there with pest problems, I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll get a bargain. I think my biggest pests are um, too big for a cat to handle. Which so are? I guess what are your I'll, biggest pests? <laughs> and I was thinking, now I need a farm, a farm tiger. <laughs> <laughs> farm tiger? Yeah, they have those. Like a farm <laughs> dinosaur. If you've been to West Glow Farm, man, their their farm tiger is incredible. You gotta watch yeah. out for that. Thing. Yeah, you gotta make an appointment. Don't just show up. <laughs> God, please don't show up. <laughs> uh, I would say, I mean, genuinely, recently, my biggest problem was that that woodchuck or groundhog, whatever it was, that was just feasting on the cover crop that I planted. Um, but there were also signs that the deer were having a pretty grand old time eating up some of the stuff in one of my farther fields. So, yeah. I need something bigger that's gonna kill at the smallest a woodchuck, but at the largest a deer. I think tigers um, got you. I think a tiger might be it, and it's crazy that no one's done that yet. You know, I think, right? That no one's thought of that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the crazy part. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I mean, other than you know the groundhog going to town and the deer and stuff, what's been going on at the at the farm? Um, last episode, it's gonna be hard to top because I kind of walked us through what happened at the farm because we were breaking down what what i did while i was uh while i was visiting so my first question i guess is like are things still happening or did everything just kind of fall apart when i left no we're in shambles for sure yeah we i thought you might be in sh- <laughs> you're you uh you are in sambles ah ah it's gross taste in my mouth um <laughs> you Woo. know we're we're struggling um we're yeah. getting through we're just waiting for when you come back yeah um saving a lot of stuff up for you understandable but, uh, it's been pretty good. I mean, it's been it's a hundred percent into the transitioning into fall winter mode. Um, we were kind of in that mode when you were here, kind of doing some stuff, but it was well, still yeah, what, except it was 90 like ninety eight degrees. degrees. <laughs> yeah, it, it was. We were in winter mode in the in the sense that we were bog, we were getting squash out of the ground. Yeah, exactly. Ground. So, um, so basically, it's still been kind of that transition, uh, ripping out beds of summer crops that you know all my squash is out now. There's no more cucumbers. Um, the the peppers are are in the field still, but not thriving as we talked about last time. I oh think yeah, how week. are they doing that? They're still in the field. I'm surprised. They're still in the field. They still look. I mean, there's definitely way more withered plants than you know when you were here, but they're surprisingly not as. I didn't deteriorate as fast as I would have expected. But uh-huh. this week, I'm gonna rip out every plant and just pick off anything that's good on them and just get that field um, kind of cleaned up and and prepped for whatever the hell I decide to and, do. Have you figured problem. out what you're gonna do? I need to read about it more and um, do a, yeah do a little bit more research, but there's most likely going to be a pretty heavy stand of cover crop, and I think specifically in the mustard green family that I will try and get planted. Uh, unless I decide I don't have enough time for that to take its full effect, then I'll plant something that will survive the winter, like a, an oat pea combo, and that can kind of survive the winter a little bit, and then it'll pick back up in the spring and put on a lot of vegetative growth. I think it'll be at least two rounds of cover crop on that field before I plant and do it again. I think that won't be touched until maybe next August. So I've got a lot of time to kind of figure it out. But I do think I need to rip out those plants before. I don't know if it's providing a host for this thing to get stronger or whatever or spread farther or anything like that. I think I'd rather just mentally get it out of the field so I can stop looking at it 
and right. being sad. Um, and there's signs of it in some of the eggplant is now, now as well. So it is kind of creeping across the field. Um, so I do need to, I need to address that, but so summer crops kind of, kind of come into an end and, um, kind of in a lull in terms of like what I'm bringing in from the field. It's been a little slow. Um, we had really cold weather one week, we were down to like 48 degrees at night, which is crazy. Um, with like highs in the mid sixties to the high sixties, um, which is way too early for that kind of weather here usually. And then we jumped way back up into the high eighties and we're hot again. And so I think the plants are just all a little bit, uh, a little bit shook, a little bit discombobulated. Um, and so the weather hasn't been helping. And then we've been just getting this, um, which has I think been true everywhere. And, and I think a clear sign of what people say climate change is kind of doing to, to rain and things like that these days, which is storms that come in and drop five inches of rain over two days or something. Um, we'll get a couple day period where it's just nonstop, ridiculously heavy rain. We're seeing the Creek get really, really high. You know, there's no sunlight for like three or four days and then it moves on and then it's dry for an entire week or a little bit longer. And then heavy rain moves in again. Um, and that's just not great for the soil that we have here. A lot of roots are sitting in standing water for five days and you can see plants are stressed or some are dying from too much water. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the problems I was having earlier in the year with figuring out like, how do I drain these fields so that, um, you know, I don't lose all my soil and things like that. And, um, uh, we had some rain, uh, two weeks ago that really kind of really messed up some of the stuff I had just planted, you know, some big fall root vegetable direct seeded. And then, um, now they look like a river has run through the middle of the bed, you know, carried away the soil, carried away the seeds. So really low germination in those beds. And so kind of just like, endless little frustrations which is mm-hmm. basically what the tagline for farming could be but um <laughs> yeah it's been it's been definitely noticeable in these last two months that's just like anytime you turn one direction and look out there's another a new uh problem and we're at the tail end of summer where there's been plenty of time for pests and disease to kind of fester and start to grow and spread so it just seems like a, a losing battle in so many fields that i'm just like ready for <laughs> Right, right. Ready for the big frost. Just get in here and just let's just put an end Start to this. Start over. Thing. Yeah, it must be kind of a nice feeling in the sense that like there is, there is a point where maybe the, maybe this is actually not true because you have things that like overwinter, but like where you can like wipe it all clean and start fresh. Yeah, I mean that's a hundred percent true. Farther north, and it'll, it'll be semi. Oh, come on, where's your professionalism? I know. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> this guy. Um, it's definitely true up north oh where stuff dies. Look at you guys talking to Siri. Oh God. Uh, All right, we're good now. We're good. We're, 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 oh God. <laughs> huh? Killing my it. Siri on my computer is a British man. Weird. Uh, nice. Right. <laughs> we should get him on the. We should get him on the show. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, he was. But, so um, true further north. Yeah. So, I mean, down here, we'll still get fa- frost. We'll still get a little bit of snow. We'll get cold you know, below freezing. But um, there's more potential for overwintering stuff here. This fall, I don't have that much planted that is intended to overwinter because it's all new to me. I was just trying to keep my feet under me. I was not making plans for overwintering much, minus garlic and strawberries, um, kind of like the classic overwintered things. But up north, it's definitely a feeling of like, you know, by December 1st, you're relying strictly pretty much, unless it's a weird winter, on what's in your greenhouses. You're going to harvest from there. Um, you don't have to look at your fields. Your fields are kind of accounted for. You know, you've, mm-hmm. you've put everything to bed. It's why I like October, November so much on a farm uh, in previous seasons because it was like this this slowly um, – imagine like that all these beds are just uh, like a paint-by-number map of your farm. Mm-hmm. And every time you decide either this bed got cover crop this one is planted to a crop for the rest of the fall 
or this one's going to get mulched, or this one's going to get tarped. As you fill in and decide what's going to happen to these beds, you can basically color them in and say, okay, you're tucked in for the winter, basically. Right. And I'm finally at the point now where I think it is almost too short of a season, a little bit left to plant much more. So I'm going to start taking the beds that are left and putting some form of cover crop on them. Um, it's been really hard to try and, like, I probably should have planted certain cover crops already, like mid-September is when they recommend planting, like, oat and peas so they have more time to grow before winter hits. But it was so hard to, to look at an empty bed and think, I could put a cover crop on this, or you know, I'm only a half acre, I could also plant arugula or something that grows in three weeks or four weeks in the fall and make money off it still, or try to at least. So um, I might be a little late to the game as I was many times this year, um, putting things in a cover crop. But I think this week we'll start kind of that transition of, um, you know, if a bed's done, it's done. It's not getting planted anything else. Um, I'm kind of riding out on what I've got in the field. Which is to say, like, of 110 beds I have on the farm, I mean, 80, 80 or more are still planted. I mean, there's still right. stuff in lots of them. Now, that doesn't mean they're all doing great. That definitely means there's beds where there's stuff that's tiny, there's stuff that's kind of diseased, there's stuff that's pest-eaten. But, um, you know, I'm not sitting back on 10 beds of things left. Um, but it is it is officially kind of transitioning to, to the end, which you're right. I'm so ready to have a moment to, like, be done with the farming and kind of just sit with a bunch of paperwork in front of me and just think like, all right, we know what just happened. What's the new game plan. And that's what winter's for. And I can sit and say, you know, I've already been keeping notes all season, like on every single crop, like I'm going to open the onions document. I'm going to look at that and say, all right, what went well, what didn't go well? Like how much should we harvest off two beds? Do I need to do more? Do I need to do less? What were the issues and kind of work my way through every crop that way this winter. So that hopefully start of next season, I'll be ready to go right from the start and I won't feel kind of behind the eight ball like I did almost the entire year, um, which is fine. You know, that's the first year it's going to happen, but it'd be really, it'd be, I'm looking forward to the feeling of like, I, I know what I'm doing a little bit. Right. Um, so we'll see how it goes. There's, you know, a couple big, couple big tasks left. We have our garlic seed being picked up this week. So we'll put garlic in this month, put strawberries in last week. Um, all the sweet potatoes need to come out of the ground still. I was going to ask um, if the sweet potatoes were still there. They're still on the ground. I mean, basically, they can stay until a heavy frost or mm-hmm. first frost. So it's kind of hard that they look so healthy right now to like right. tell myself to them. go dig them up. Yeah, why would I mess with them? And maybe they'll get bigger and they'll, they'll put on more growth. But I think this week I'm going to do – I saw another farmer doing this, just a, an incremental harvest. So maybe one bed a week or mm-hmm. two beds a week. I only have five. Um, so harvest the first bed, see how they look. Um, see what the weight is on them, and then if they still seem small, give those last four beds more time. Yeah. Um, the only reason I'd ever speed it up is because I did these sweet potatoes have already been purchased by a wholesaler at the start of the season, kind of on contract, whatever amount we grew at a, a certain price rate. And I mm-hmm. told them that in October we would start delivering at some point, and they need to gotcha. cure for at least two weeks. So I would definitely like to start giving them some. Yeah. But uh, other than other than that, it's really just like working my way through the farm now, kind of cleaning up. Um, Nothing, nothing too big. A big, a big farm-to-table dinner on the farm this Saturday that I have to provide some produce for. Uh, Do you for have a everything they need? Not everything that he wanted. There was definitely stuff that I originally had and I've lost to uh, diseases and things. So it was a little frustrating to look at this big list and think like, of the twelve things he asked for, originally I probably had ten of them, and now it's a lot closer to like five and six of the of the ten items. So yeah. we'll still give a decent amount. Um, and I'm, you know, excited to eat some. I'm going to the event, and so nice. eating some of the food that this uh, the chef cooks up with our stuff. But um, 
I'm, at this point, I'm trying to just not be too hard on myself and just be like, this is this is what it is. Um, yeah. thing, things die every year on a farm, and I don't even know if anything I could have done really would have saved a lot of the problems I've been having. Yeah. Um, there's not much you can do about disease in, in retrospect other than build up your soil and have healthy soil and yeah. hope the plants can, can withstand it. So there's no point in really, you know, beating myself up over it. But it was definitely a two months of, like, walking out and once a week having to be like, well, that bed's done. That bed sucks. That crop is dying. This thing's dying. You know, well, the most that important yeah. question is the stuff that I planted while I was there. How's it looking? Uh, stuff you planted. I think it's all coming up fine, except for one bed of beets. But I don't know if that was on you. You know, probably not. Um, probably Let's not. Be honest. Probably not me. And those lines, you know, those straight, straight oh, lines. So straight. So good. Um, I will say too, all that winter squash. I finished putting it all away. You know. Um, uh huh that we had harvested. And so, um, what we harvested plus what I had harvested before you had gotten there ended up being like 850 total pounds. So not nice bad from nine beds of, of winter squash. Um, or no less than that. Six beds, of, six beds of winter squash, uh, 850 you know, pounds. So you know what I have in my uh, pantry right now? A, a butternut squash. Nope. Delicata. Oh, nice. I actually like yeah. four or five of them. I think I accidentally bought too many. <laughs> Uh, they they'll store. You're good. Yeah, I'm gonna roast some of those bad boys up. Man, they're so good. You have to, you have to tell me how you, how you like them because um, right. I need to. I should probably start eating those those bad boys because I have a lot yeah. of them. Yeah, they're but tasty. that's that's pretty much it on the farm. Honestly, like you know, there's plenty of minutia that I could get into, but uh, now it's just it's just putting things to bed, kind of, and uh, hoping things will still grow in time. I got so many carrots out here on the farm that are like little guys right now, and <laughs> we'll see. Um, if they make it, you know, it's a race against time, yeah. but what would be like the ideal, like if like, yes, you're wrapping up the farm season here. Like if some, what were to happen that would like, it's like tickle you pink that would make you so happy if something were to like come in or, you know, finish <laughs> out in, and um, what would, what would finishing strong look like? Finishing strong would be that I planted, um, all that went, you know, the winter squash, that field, big mm -hmm. field. I cleaned all that up by myself, ripped out all that fabric, cleaned up all those vines and everything, prepped the beds, and then planted them to mostly carrots and then one bed of beets, uh, meant to be storage carrots. So the goal for these will be that I'll harvest them all at once, I'll wash them, I'll put them in 50-pound bags, put them in the cooler, and then all winter we can pull out of there and sell them. If I can get those carrots by, I'll say even December because I planted them late, by December 1st that I can go out there and harvest them would be awesome. Hmm. Um so we'll see. It's 60 days, you know, for them to mature roughly in, in normal times. In fall, it takes longer. Um, but if I could have some stuff in the cooler um, come come December, it would feel pretty good to be able to kind of throughout December and January be able to sell stuff that's in there. Right. Um, other than that, I mean, that's 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 the main one. Honestly, it would, it would feel pretty good to to have decent uh, storage crops. But other, and nothing tragic. Just you know, nothing tragic happening <laughs> next month. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Just, how, uh, saying. how are the new chickens doing? They they're good. I had um, we were, I don't think they're at an egg lay. So here's we have a couple of chicken surprises. Um, okay. So I don't think they're really laying eggs yet. Still, I think they're too young. Maybe a couple of them are. Okay. We think maybe they were a little bit younger than we thought. Um, but of those ten, one of them is a hundred percent a rooster, um, <laughs> oh, which God. will need to be is will need to be addressed. A hundred percent would be problematic. Yeah. Um, smaller than obviously the older rooster currently, but man, I don't know if they duked it out. It'd be interesting to see because, um, of course, the new the new chicken, the new rooster is one of the really pretty ones. It's got like the 
yeah. reddish head, but like the blue green body. It's really cool feathers. Um, and you can tell, you just look at it and it looks very different than all the other ones. Um, so what that genuinely means is in a month or so when it gets a little bit bigger, probably, or soon we'll probably have to kill one of the roosters. But I think if we're is being honest be, with ourselves, is that going to be your job? You know, Bill and Jody did it last time. <laughs> they had okay. to kill a bunch of roosters. They raised their own chicks from eggs, and, you know, that's usually a 50-50 split. So they had yeah. to kill a lot of roosters. I'm hoping I'll help for sure. I feel like it's one of those farm things I need to do at some point. Yeah. Um, but I'm hoping it's not entirely on me. <laughs> but we'll see. Yeah. I think there's a good chance we kill both roosters because we're not raising chickens from eggs and incubating them at all, and there's real no point in having him around if he's kind of just like – yeah. stressing out and terrorizing the hens a little bit and we're not going to try and reap any of the benefits from the fact that we have fertile eggs to try and hatch from so yeah they'll probably both go at some point we did also another fun chicken task was we clipped all their wings um maybe a week after you left or so because they were all flying out yeah you were saying ten. they kept getting on top of the fence <laughs> and you like kept yeah. chasing so, them back in so one day like all all 10 new chickens were out as a gang together just walking around the farm so oh really we, we, yeah like they all they all just like what's this why would we stay in here we're getting picked on constantly let's, let's get out of here and um so we, we we clipped all their wings which which sounds so much more cruel than it is it's literally you just take scissors and you cut through the tips of their wings which are not like it's just like cutting someone like your hair or something yeah. it's not they don't That's react right. to it all now you can cut too deep and draw blood if you're not careful like fingernails or something but um that was just a funny hour of trying to catch these chickens because they were no longer in the pen we had moved them to the pasture to try and get them to eat some grass and so we were in a much bigger uh theater for trying to get these chickens yeah um the the game had been changed by making things a lot bigger so there were three of us in there but i would say i I proved myself to be a pretty good kitchen a pretty good chicken catcher um so i'll put (laughs) that on my cv is there any um special technique to catching a chicken you gotta, be, you gotta be quicker than them, man. You gotta be quicker, and you gotta you gotta grab by you gotta grab by the foot. You grab by the foot. Grab by the fruit foot. By, chicken okay. by the it's like fruit by the chicken by the yeah, foot. Chicken by the and foot. And that's how you're gonna okay. get a chicken. Um, but that is that's my that's my key. And then one sad story is one I went out there one day and one of the older hens was dead underneath the hutch when they were out in the pasture. No oh. idea what happened. Not a, not no crazy signs of like foul play or anything. I mean it's <laughs> it's foul next. Play. <laughs> okay wow i wish i meant to say that um but its neck seemed a little bit maybe maybe that's what happened i don't know if the rooster got too rough or what but it wasn't like something would have killed it underneath the hutch that wouldn't have really made any sense right um it was actually in probably the most protected place unless it crawled to there i have no right. idea but yeah so we're a little we're, we're on edge and just trying to keep an eye on make sure it's not like a bacterial thing that other right. ones could get um but other than that they're they're back in their their permanent spot uh, outside the the door here um, probably will be for the rest of the winter. Flossy. So, same old, same old. He put a hole in his pool, so I haven't filled it what? up in a while. You know, I know it's because he's. I mean, he's just he's inconsiderate. And I've always yeah. said that about him. I yeah, always said Flossy's inconsiderate. You've been you've, you've um, been very consistent on that point. Yeah, I feel like I've been pretty clear, and I really haven't haven't really wavered on my feelings <laughs> on Flossy, which is we're mostly cool now. He hasn't attacked me in a long time. Yeah. We're pretty tight. Um, but you put a hole in his pool and, and honestly right now I don't have the time to fix it. So that's what he gets. No pool he was for out, him. No pool for him, you know? And he was out there in the pouring rain today though, giving himself, I guess, just like an earth bath, you know, just taking it from, from the sky. Yeah. Um, and he seemed pretty happy. So that's what, that's what he has to settle for. Nice. Um, but, but it seems like he's doing his job, which is, I guess, being a goose. <laughs> you know, <laughs> wow. if I had to boil it down to what he has to do, it's just, yeah. he basically just is a goose. Just hang out and be goose-like. But, 
Mm-hmm. People love them. He has a couple goose, couple goose sounds a day, and people seem to really, really enjoy that. So. <laughs> I, I, I'm, yeah, I am one of those people. I enjoyed the goose sounds while we were, uh, while I was there. Just to let you know, he's still there. Um, yep. Make it, it, him and the rooster provide real good farm uh, sounds. You know. Yeah, it's important. And authentic- farm needs good ambiance. It has to be. It's authentic. It's a good authenticity to the farm. Otherwise, you know, what are we really? We're just a big yeah. garden. But now we've got chickens, so yeah, exactly. We can be a farm. Exactly. But uh. That's that's about it. That's 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 kind of where the farm stands. Um, cool. But what about you? How it goes? You're you're deep. You're deep into sabbatical. Oh, we I'm blew like right through out, it. I'm coming out the other side now. Believe yep. it or not, I got two weeks left. Uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be hard to come back, but also not hard. <laughs> you strike me as the kind of person that would be ready for going to do some to do some work again. Yeah, Especially I didn't since think the work it's work you enjoy. Exactly. I didn't so early in the sabbatical and in the middle of the sabbatical, I was like, I could get very used to this. I don't ever want to come yeah. back. In the last like I would say week and a half, two weeks, I've gotten the itch uh, a little bit. And partially it's because some like actual Potential work projects are coming uh, around and, and seem to be growing. Um, some uh, some workshops that I'm going to do when I come back are already starting to get scheduled. Um, so I'm just seeing like real things start to come up, and I'm getting excited by that because yeah, I do like I like my work uh, for the most part, and I am starting to get excited to to dive back into it. But you should be tuned out. You shouldn't be having an idea of what's coming. You should be. I thought you were supposed to be. Yeah, I'm supposed to be. I mean, I have been for the vast majority of the time. But, you know, if I want to work on something when I come back from sabbatical, um, I kind of need to have an ear to the ground a little bit right now um, to be lining that stuff up because nobody's going to do it for me. And if I want to get paid like I'm used to getting paid, then I need to have stuff to work on. Um, So I'm not coming back to at least the plan right now is not to come back to my client that I was working on before, although that project has continued to grow and that is probably an option if I want it. Uh, but I, I want to at least make a good faith effort to try to land a new client and see if I can try to kind of replicate the success that we had um, at, my, at my last client somewhere else and you know have another big project uh, at the ready. So that's what I want to do. And in the meantime, also, there are a handful of, of workshops that are popping up um, that it looks like I'll be working on and going out to California like the second week that I'm back uh, to work to do a couple of workshops, which I am actually looking forward to doing some work travel uh, again and doing workshops. I really like doing workshops with senior leadership teams where it's like less than 10 people in a room um, working on something for a day. I like that environment, um, so I think it'll be fun to to get back into it. Is this a whole new client that you're going to host these workshops for, or is this still a continuation of these somebody are, working? No, with? these are totally new clients, and it's, interesting. There's like it's in the course of so in the course of two weeks, I'm going to do like four different workshops for four different companies. Um, okay. So, and I think one is a what I would call an advisory project. So it's not taking up a lot of my time, but it's an advisory project for two months where I'm, you know, spending a couple of weeks, uh, a couple of hours a week with this client. 
and um, doing a workshop with them at the front end. So that's one of them. Mm-hmm. And then there's two just standalone workshops in California um, that it, I was going out there to do one anyway, and then this other one pops in California while I'm there. So I'm just going to extend my trip and go down to L.A. to do that one. Um, and then this third one, I'm actually talking to um, somebody tomorrow about figuring out what it might be, but it's a... The, the, the guy I'm talking to was a VP at my previous client and he left to go somewhere else and I, I've stayed in touch with him and he wanted to talk about potentially doing something. So I, I'm, I'm actually the day that you fly in for Brothers Weekend, I think I'm going to have to do um, like a short like two hour thing with them at a local here. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know what time, uh, but that is going to happen. And then hopefully that will that's the the current prospect that I think is maybe the most likely to turn into like an actual full-time project. Maybe we'll see. Gotcha. I have a meeting tomorrow morning and I'll learn more then. What did, um, for these other workshops, was there a reason that you specifically were chosen to lead them? Was it there like a topic that they're on or was it that you had the time or were interested in doing it? Uh, or like- no, the one, uh, so as part of me having an ear to the ground, I've started just poking my head back into the ready slack. And I saw that Aaron um, put, we have a channel where we put when like new growth opportunities or new projects come up and people need help like building a team or like they have the lead, but they can't actually do the work. Aaron made a message about this workshop that's happening in California and he's looking for someone on these dates to do this type of workshop. Um, And the dates were, you know, when I'm back. So I raised my hand. I was the first one to to raise my hand. And I have the skill set and the experience to do the workshop that they're looking for. So it just made sense. So I, I kind of claimed it and he was fine handing it off to me. And then the other one is just literally the fact that it's another company in California who wanted a workshop two days after when I would be doing the other one so it just made sense mm-hmm. instead of sending somebody else out from the east coast to do that one just keep me out there um and and do it together so that was more of a nice. geographic thing gotcha yeah so sabbatical but here you are doing work stuff but a little bit of, a little bit of, <laughs> of work stuff yeah um, and you know part of it is kind of so i mean this whole sabbatical we could do hours on this has been my um ongoing battle of like complete unplugging versus using this time productively to do things that I wouldn't normally do, but would maybe be kind of construed as work. And I think I've actually navigated this pretty well. Most of the time I've been pretty on that continuum. I've been much more in the completely unplugged side of things. You know, that being said, I have been working on like a book proposal that I got a rough draft, um, pulled together over the last couple of weeks. Um, and, you know, some of this work stuff uh, is reemerging. And now that I'm in the last two weeks, part of me is like, go really hard, finish the book proposal, lock in all this work stuff, like really use these two weeks to do some like, cool work stuff. Or the mm-hmm. other part of my brain is like, dude, this is the last two weeks of maybe the only sabbatical you're going to get in your life. What do you think? <sighs> like, don't do anything above and beyond just chilling as much as possible. Um so I still got to kind of figure that out, but would it be harder? You feel like to jump back into work if you've been in two weeks of bad chill mode, like changing your body from like chill Sam to now you're kind of <laughs> back in it pretty big, like especially yeah. since you have these workshops and things Prob- coming up that probably in the sense that like these 
handful of workshops. I need to figure out some of the logistics and stuff ahead of time so I don't just have a terrible first week back. Yeah. Um, and like in kind of another version of, of, of that same phenomena is that for most of the sabbatical, I have like not been using an alarm clock to wake up, just like wake yeah. up whenever. But I am definitely the type of person who thrives on getting up early. Um, but I think part of part of me coming back to work is going to be like next week. I should probably like use an alarm clock and get up like yeah. when, I, when I would for for work stuff. Um, just to like ease back into that. But then there's this part of my brain that's yelling right now. It's like, no, last two weeks of sabbatical. Sleep as much as you can. Don't use your alarm clock. What's wrong with you? Yeah, I don't know. I'm not going to, I'm not going to weigh in on your personal dilemma there, but (laughs) thanks. Come on, man. You're got to coach me through it. I was just going to say that I feel like knowing you and knowing how you work and whatnot, I feel like you would almost rather have the groundwork set for when you go back to work yeah. to have it be smooth because I think, um, you know, is it is it worth the, the, the two weeks or maybe even one week of like super chillness for a first week back that is potentially hell in multiple ways, which is to say really long Stressful work days. And, you yeah. feel like garbage because you're waking up earlier than you <laughs> wanted to. Yeah. Like you're all thrown off entirely. And I don't know, that kind of stuff I feel like can, can snowball for a while. Yeah. Um, and before you feel like you have your feet underneath you again and the chance to maybe go into that and feel like you're actually ready to take it on might have better yeah. overall uh, mental health effects for the work that you're going to go on to do. Probably smart. And I think, you know, there's a way to ease in these next two weeks yeah. where it is still primarily like sabbatical mode, but not, you know, like I was in maybe like week three of my sabbatical. Yeah, probably the smartest uh, uh, way to do it. Probably. Uh, all right. What other? What? Any other fun stuff? What are no. any other fun sabbatical? Mm, Nothing. I mean, I'm going home to Michigan in a couple of weeks. Nice. Um, gonna see everybody. Um, it's actually it'll be the weekend before my first week uh, back uh, at the ready. Which will be fun. So is brother, brothers' weekend happening after you've gone back to work? Technically. Yeah, it's after my Oops. first week back. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, of course, I know. I've been off of work completely for 16 weeks, and listen. we had to do Brothers Weekend after I go back to work. We had a lot of things to navigate here. <laughs> we Five brothers is we a did. lot of schedules. That is true. That is. Um, true. I don't even really know much about where we're going. I know we're going to the Shenandoah area, maybe. Yeah, right? it's like I think it's like literally less than 100 feet over the border into West Virginia. Okay. Nice. Like, I, I think mean, this, no I, rules. I think this like area, this community that we're in, is like bisected by the state line almost. Interesting. Uh, so I'm not actually sure if we're in Virginia or West Virginia, but it's like it's basically like a ski chalet. It has a hot tub. There's um, a ping pong table in the basement. That's all I really know too. I assume there's like hiking nearby that we can do. <laughs> oh, Sam, Sam, let's recall Last Brothers weekend. I know we gotta do. We gotta get outside more than last time. <laughs> We have we to. Threw, we threw a Frisbee and we took a cold walk to Lake Huron and looked at the cold waves. Joey ran um, around with a broom between his legs like he was a Harry Potter man. Yeah, but he does that everywhere. That's true. That's what people don't know about it. We but did. No matter hey, where we, we are. I have pictures of us standing out on a beach, so it looks like That's we were what I'm talking about. That was our one morning walk of coffee, with coffee in hand out to look at a sunrise, yeah. kind yeah. of. It was very um, cold. But you know what? It's, it's, we played a lot of video games last time, a lot of board games, it and that fun. is kind of the premise of this trip. Yeah. Um, 
and this will be fun because I think we, you and I will technically have a little bit more time than everybody else. Yep. Um, so we'll have all Friday morning when they're on their way down. So yep. I'm looking forward to it. I'm excited to to do something to see yep. everybody as well. Yeah, um, it'll be uh, it'll be sweet. Will it make for good podcasting? Of course not. Of course. What are we gonna What are we gonna not. do to talk about there? Um, yeah, we could do a board game podcast in just about that one week because that's the only thing we're going. People, if you're interested in board games, we could do something special for you <laughs> as we talk about whatever we played. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, other than that, hockey's back. Hockey's that's back. That is true. My it's nights true are now fall. filled. Exactly. Mine it's, too. It's bad. It's bad because like I just. I'll well, you any, watch. Like, you watch other teams, right? Oh yeah, I'll watch anybody. See, I won't. Okay. I only watch the Red Wings, but I like never miss a Red Wing game. But I only watch yeah. the Red Wings, basically. Yeah, I think I think you and I, I, I didn't miss probably more than four Red Wings games last year. Yeah. I think I'm gonna have to follow your mentality. I really, um, I have so many books that I want to read. I cannot fill every night with with hockey, even though yeah. I love it. Um, yeah. So I'm gonna tr- I'm gonna try and force the Sam rule on myself a little bit, unless there's something exciting on. Um, and not do one of those things where I put on a, a game that's two teams that I almost couldn't care less about. It treated almost like a podcast, and it's just on in the background as I'm on my phone, yeah. and that just feels like that feels like wasted time. <laughs> um, and I do a yeah. I do a lot of that during hockey season. So, yeah. but it is exciting. It oh is my exciting. gosh, popular guys that, blowing up. Over that there. wasn't me. That was Emily. Emily's not respecting the sacred space. <sighs> when has she ever respected the sacred space of that's, podcast? <laughs> that's true. All right, are we done? I think we're done. Cool, we no. did it. Talk to you again uh, soon. One month? <laughs> no, probably, probably Maybe. A month, let's be honest. <laughs> Maybe about a month. All right. See you, man. Yep. Later.